I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome to Scam Squad. I'm Patty Teal. Here with Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson, who always gives us the latest news on scams in our area just to watch out for and to be aware of. Thank you so much for being here, Vicki. Thank you, Patty. Always a pleasure to be on Scam Squad. So this headline caught my eye. It's from an article published in AARP magazine, which I highly recommend to anybody that's interested in different things pertaining to seniors, but they have lots of information about scams. And the title of this article was The 10 Worst Things to Carry in Your Wallet. That sounds really interesting, Vicki. I'm afraid I might be in trouble because I carry a lot of stuff in my purse and in my wallet. So what are the things that are not supposed to be there? Well, the article starts off talking about an episode from Seinfeld, which I think I remember. And this is where George Costanza has so much stuff jammed in his wallet that somebody calls it a filing cabinet, which, by the way, somebody could say about my purse. So finally, he tries to stuff one more thing in and the whole thing explodes, scattering the contents to the four winds. That is very funny, but I'm sure it's something to watch out for. I can envision myself. In fact, I remember going to a baby shower and there was a game. The person who had the most pins in their purse (laughs) won. I think I came up with like 15. It was something ridiculous. So uh, (laughs) So you were late. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Anyway. We have to remember, Patty, that these days... Crooks want our wallets not only for the cash, which of course they're interested in, but for anything else in there that they can use to steal our identity. And the article gives an example about somebody who lost their wallet at a casino. The thief kept the $800 in cash, which was in the wallet, and also an ID card. But this is the interesting part. Later, the owner's name and personal information was used to set up an online bank account. And they used that online bank account to obtain a debit card and checks. And then the crook went on a spending spree to the tune of $5,600. And apparently he got some things that he didn't really want because he later started selling some of these things on Facebook Marketplace. Oh, my goodness. It's just unbelievable what crooks and scammers can do with what seems like a few pieces of information. So true, Patty. We think we're being careful, but it only takes a second for a watchful thief to take our wallet. I've seen some videos from supermarkets of thieves taking wallets out of purses. Women often put their purses in the shopping cart right in the place where a child might sit. I've done that a lot myself. And this is just easy pickings for crooks because they usually work in teams. One will be a lookout. The other will set up a distraction, maybe ask the shopper a question. And the third person will very quickly just lift the wallet right out of the purse. It happens in seconds. And the shopper often doesn't even know that it's happened until they get up to the checkout counter and realize, "Uh oh, they don't have their wallet. Now, another way that thieves work is to pick wallets out of purses or men's jackets that are slung over the back of a chair. 
at a restaurant. Now, I've done this a million times. I hang my purse over the back of my chair. And of course, I'm facing front. Anybody can easily come by and pick the wallet out of my purse if they see it and it's open. It only takes a second. Yeah, that's so important to remember to keep that purse out of reach. So Vicki, what are the 10 most prized items that a resourceful crook might want? Well, here's the list that was given in the article from AARP. First of all, your social security card. We've talked about this a lot. Never keep that in your wallet. Next, your COVID-19 vaccination record card because it carries your date of birth and hints at where you live. Next, never carry multiple credit cards or credit card receipts. We forget what kind of information is often on those credit card receipts. Checkbooks or even one blank check. Be careful what you carry. Work ID card. That's going to give a lot of information about you. Passport. Never carry the passport in your wallet unless, of course, you're boarding an airplane. A gift card that's not fully redeemed. Crooks would love to get their hands on that. Your birth certificate. Now, most of us would not carry our birth certificate in our wallet, but nowadays, sometimes you might need that to board a plane. Just remember to take it out of your purse or your wallet after you're done with it. And finally, now this is kind of strange to me, your library card. This sounds pretty benign, but a crook can always check out lots of books and sell them for a buck or two apiece. I wouldn't worry so much about that. But I think the other things are very, very important to remember to not keep in our wallets. Wow, that's great advice, Vicki, that you're giving us today. So we have to have our driver's license with us if we're driving, of course. And do they suggest one credit card? That's right. The article does suggest carrying one card that can be used everywhere. Now, one other thing that you can do is to carry a digital wallet on your smartphone. These contain digital versions of our credit and debit cards, which you can use to pay with your smartphone. And I've certainly seen lots of people doing this, usually younger people. My son actually only carries his cell phone, which has a pocket attached. And that's where he can slip in one credit card and his driver's license. And that literally is all that he carries. Well, that sounds safer than carrying our purses and our wallets with so much information. And many of us keep better track of our cell phones than our wallets because then we use them more. But God forbid we lose our phone. That would just be awful, wouldn't it, Vicki? <laughs> it's true. We do keep better track of our cell phones. Often people never let those phones leave their hands. Mm -hmm. And another thing that the article went on to say, and I think this is really a good piece of advice, take a photo or a photocopy of the front and back of each credit card in case they do get stolen or lost. Then That way you'll have the card numbers and the telephone numbers to call to cancel the missing card and to order a new card. You know, Vicki, I'm getting off topic just a tiny bit, but I'm wondering, since most of us have old cell phones that are maybe not active, if we shouldn't use them for the pictures of our credit cards, because if my purse got stolen, most likely I have a pocket on my side of my purse that has the cell phone in it. And if they got both, man, I'd be in deep trouble. Right. Yeah, I think that's probably a good idea. You can take a photocopy too and just keep that in a file oh. in your home somewhere. Because honestly, I've had this happen to me where I've 
lost a car. It hasn't been stolen. I've just frankly lost it, forgotten it in the store someplace. And I've been so frustrated because on the card is the number that I will call to report the missing card. So I've had to pull up a credit card receipt, which fortunately I keep, but it would be a really good idea to have all that information just in a file someplace. Right. And recently I temporarily lost my cell phone and I was calling it with another phone looking for it. And it was in a store. Evidently I'd either set it down or it dropped and the clerks had it for me. But my goodness, you know, cell phones that have so much information on them can really be a horrible thing to lose. So I like your idea of the photocopies or using an old phone to take pictures. Right. And just a reminder, we've talked about this before, our Medicare cards. Thankfully, they no longer have our social security number on them, but scammers can still use that card to defraud Medicare. So that's another thing to not keep in your wallet, unless of course you're going to the doctor and you're going to need it. But I find that the doctors that I go to regularly, they usually have a copy of my Medicare card on file, so I don't need to show it each time. Now, the article also talks about criminals creating what they call synthetic identities, which is apparently a new thing in the fast-growing kind of fraud. Vicki, even though I've been hosting Scam Squad with you before, I'm just lost. What on earth is a synthetic identity? I have the same reaction. So here's how it works. A scammer can use any information that they might find in your wallet to begin creating a a synthetic identity. Then they combine your information with other information they find, like maybe a child's social security number and maybe a senior's address and phone number. So now they've got three different sources of data. And with this data, they can create a completely separate identity using your name, and then they can create new accounts using your name. My goodness, how long does it take them to do that? That's an interesting question. Scammers think long term sometimes because they do sometimes incubate this information for a period of time or sell it on the dark web it might not surface as a synthetic identity until a year later when accounts get opened in your name. So this makes it even more difficult to track down because you may not remember when your information could have been stolen if it happened a year or so ago. Oh, this has been a very enlightening show and something that I'm going to block off time to take those extra credit cards out of my wallet, out of my purse, take my Medicare card out. I'm guilty of all these things, Vicki. Me too. I mean, truth be told, my wallet looked like George Costanza's wallet. <laughs> this article <laughs> it was so full of stuff. It was getting heavy for me to carry. I started so, carrying two wallets. That's how bad I am because <laughs> I couldn't stuff all the cards in there. Oh, my yeah. goodness. So this article inspired me to do a major cleanup. And I realized that most of what I was carrying around, I didn't really need on a daily basis. And I simply found a safe place to put it at home. So that's my advice, Patty. Just everybody clean out your wallets. Great advice and great New Year's resolution. Let's all be a little bit safer and a little more careful with what we're lugging around with us. Absolutely. So Vicki, could you remind everyone of your fraud hotline number so they can call you if they're suspicious that they've been scammed or someone they care about? Of course. Area code 805-568-2442. And I'll repeat it. 805-568-2442. Thank you so very much. Are we ready for some good news? 
I'm always ready for good news. <laughs> and I think our listeners are too. This was another headline that caught my eye. T-Mobile says it blocked 21 billion, 21 billion scam, spam, and unwanted robocalls this year. And they did it through its free scam shield robocall and scam protection service. So can you imagine they claim to have blocked 21 billion unwanted calls this year? Apparently, these robocalls are now really at an all-time high. And I thought this was interesting. More than half of these 21 billion calls were related to fake vehicle warranty scams. I'm sure you've gotten those calls telling you. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Your warranty is up. I probably get one a week. Mm -hmm. So that accounted for over half of the calls. And the other top scam attempts were calls pretending to be with the Social Security office. We've talked about those. The wireless provider, car insurance company, package delivery, like, say, Amazon. But this would be, if you have T-Mobile, this would be a service worth looking into because apparently it's free and apparently it's pretty effective in blocking robocalls. Wow. I do have T-Mobile. Now, I'm not sure if I have to sign up for this service or if it's automatic. On the caller ID, I often get a scam likely notice, which I very much appreciate. And in fact, I don't answer the phone that much these days unless the person is in my contacts and their name comes up. And otherwise, I just figure they'll leave a message if it's important. It's just kind of a sad thing in today's society, but I get so many scams otherwise. Yeah, no, I'm the same. I never really answer my phone unless I recognize the caller or the phone number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But I'm glad that they're blocking and at least identifying these calls. It makes it easier not to pick up. Uh, you're not really worried you're going to miss anything when it tells That's you right. it's likely a scam. Yes. Thank you. Well, good for T-Mobile. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, Vicki, as always, what a great message you're sharing with the Santa Barbara community and in fact, the world, because these scams happen everywhere. So we really appreciate you and all the good work you're doing. Thank you, Patty. Until next week. Oh, yes. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.